Okay, you stay in your taped mark six feet away, and I'll stay in mine. You're allowed to laugh. It's okay. We live together. We don't have to social distance. People are like, I don't know where he stands on this. I don't know what to allow. I don't know. It's okay. We love you guys. All right. Not allowed to do COVID jokes, I guess. It's not a laughing matter. It is really serious. It is. It is. It's not a laughing matter. Okay. We're going to get into it here. Um, no, it, it really is serious, and there's a lot going on. And uh, we're, we're thankful to be uh, called to such a time as this. We, we really are. And, um, and all joking aside with social distancing with my wife, um, there, there is a seriousness going on in our culture, our society. There is a spiritual battle that's happening and taking place right now. Um, and it's, it's tangible. It's, it's evident. It's clear. Um, but our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's principalities. Amen? It's, and, but we know this. God wins. And we know that he's got a story in this. We know that he's doing something. We know that he is, he's got a narrative in all of this. And I'm excited to see what he's doing. And um, so where we're at is, uh, even just with us, it's been a reset. And, and we know that there's a new wineskin. Uh, we know it's, the plan hasn't been like laid out. But we know there is a new wineskin. There's a new way of ministry even. There's a, new, there's a new delivery system that's happening. And I believe it looks like it's in homes. It's happening right now through live stream. Right at this moment, there's people watching. Uh, through the week, this will be happening. Um, so we know that there's something that the Lord is doing. We know that there's discussions and open conversations that have happened that wouldn't have happened six months ago. Specifically, including racial reconciliation and racial reconciliation and injustices. So we're thankful. The other thing is, so we've dove into this uh, head first, and just um, you know, there are elephants in rooms right now. There are things going on, and, and if we're not careful, let me just let me just get off on a little bit of a tangent here. We are being called to prayer. We are being called to prayer in this season. Uh, those who are called by my name, you know if they humble themselves and pray. And I believe we're called in a season right now that our victory and our battles won on our knees and in petition, not, not, not necessarily physically on your knees, but in prayer. And there is a spiritual battle, and I believe there is a call to prayer right now. There's a call to righteousness. I also believe there's a call to standing up for things that are right. There is an undercurrent that the enemy is trying to do and trying to, to move through. Um, there's crazy things that we're seeing and seeing exposed and seeing come to light. And there is an undercurrent. I believe that even our political uh, election coming in November is a spiritual battle that's, that's been brewing. And I believe we need to be attentive to that and know that we're not just going to look the other way and hope things work out. No, we are called to the very minimum prayer. And, and I just believe that. There, there are things that are being challenged right now in the Christian faith. There are things being challenged right now in, uh, in pedophilia as a, as, a, as a gender preference uh, or sexual preference. There are things that are happening right now that are challenging the core values of Christianity that need to be brought to the surface. And that's what we need to do. We need to pray that the Lord wins these battles. And we need to show up, though. You know, David had to show up for the battle. He, he couldn't use Saul's armor. He had to use his own armor and fight the battle his own way that God called him to. And each of you have a platform in your own way and a sphere of influence in your own way. But we are called to show up to these battles. And we're called to vote. We're called to stand up for righteousness. And this is just a total tangent right now. 
But there's things that are happening that we need to be present for. There's things that are going on. And, and I'm, not, I'm not just talking about the racial things and the COVID things. I'm talking about there are real things happening in the news lines that are being covered up. There are things that are going on in the kingdom. There are churches and ministries and denominations being silenced. There's worship being silenced in California right now. And there's things we need to stand up, okay? Um, we as a body, we as believers, we as the kingdom need to stand up for righteousness and the advancement of his kingdom. So there's ways to engage. Sean Foy is, is leading a movement in California of prayer warriors and worship warriors. And you're seeing baptisms and salvations and a total movement in the oceans and the coastline of California. And they will not be silenced. And things are being exposed. So, um, amen. Let's just pray for our nation for a moment. Okay, so God, we just we thank you for the nation. We thank you um, for what this nation was built upon, and we call forth the truth and the foundational beliefs of you as the the foundation of this nation. And so we we determine in our hearts and in our actions that we will not uh, stay silent. We will not uh, not do our part, and even if it is prayer. Lord, we commit that to you. We pray for our nation. We pray for our president, government leaders. Whew, we just, we just um, declare that the wool is just removed from eyes. God, I just speak into pride and, and all of that, that it would just fall. Lord, that your presence is so heavy that pride would crumble and that, that we as a nation could be low and humble and honoring to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I just, I just, had a moment at the end of worship there when Nicole's like, take a stand, and like, here we are, just like, honestly, me personally, just lackadaisical in worship today, when, when there are people not allowed to worship in their own country or their own state right now, you know, and we are, have this privilege to worship freely in Ohio right now in this moment here, uh, as we will continue. We will worship freely here in this, in this ministry. We will not stop, so you will not silence us, enemy, so... We want to honor, we want to, to give honor where we, where we need to, but there is a line, and uh, we will not be silenced as a kingdom and a body. Amen. Okay, um, let, let's just go to what we're saying here. Let me, let me get back on track, because we are, it's limited time, we have a fun thing at the end. Seven minutes just went away. Yeah, so, <laughs> so thankful for that. Uh, we, we, we went, we're going back, okay? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I preached a message about going back and referencing Elijah's story in the cave, going back, taking back what's ours. And so we're going back in history, going back to the vision upper room here in this ministry. And, and when I say that, I don't just mean these walls. I mean the body of Christ as well. I mean the church. Church has never restricted the walls. We're supposed to go outside the walls because we, the people, are the church. We are the body. We are the bride. So going back, and then last week I followed that up with upper room 2.0. The references in the Bible to upper room and how it was used, how an upper room or sometimes a private chambers was used, called an upper room for various ways of ministry, rest, prayer, these, these different aspects and core values that we have here uh, as a body, as, as, a, as a family here. So then we get to the part of, of basically Acts 2 and said, welcome home. The upper room in some instances was also, he went home, went to the upper room and prayed. So it's a home, welcome home. Acts 2 was a, was a great portrayal of, of a family, okay? Uh, so let me get to that in a minute. So we thought it'd be good. We're moving into a series now called Family, and we're establishing, reestablishing, and reminding ourselves who have been here a while and the new people coming in who've been here less than 
five to seven years, which is about 80% of you most of the time now, um, of going back to telling you our culture. Let me, let me just, just kind of put it out there. I think you need to know the why before we go into the what. We don't have the, the architect plan yet of the new wineskin and what the Lord's doing, but we do know it's new, and we know that he's doing something, doing something amidst all of this. And one of the things that we know that the kingdom is always representative of or, or in the structure of is family. The government of heaven is family, and the government and the structure of the body of Christ should be family. Okay, and we've learned some things along the way. Nicole and I have been official senior pastors here since January of 13, and we were um, interim pastors almost nine months to a year before that. So we're going to take you through a journey in time today. Everybody say yes. Yesterday, we, we went back and we went to uh, Cane Ridge, Kentucky. We went back to a revival site that launched the Second Great Awakening in America. It was the first um, tent style or the first open air style revival in America in history, in a history ever, first one. And the circuit riders came through, stopped there, and then they continued west. And then all of a sudden, revival broke out, known as the Second Great Awakening. We went back there to pay honor. Because <laughs> I think, sorry, those of you who know me know that when I speak, I cry. I, I never cry any other time, though, all right? Let's just, I don't cry at the fire department. I don't. So I don't cry at the gym, okay? No, just kidding. I might sometimes. So, but at any rate, there, there's a thing about going back. There's a thing about honoring history and honoring those who've went before us. And there's something about that. And I believe the Lord blesses that. And today we're going to do some of that. And, and we're going to kind of catch you up. So the first thing we want to do is make sure there's clarity on what family is. How do we define family? Because I've learned this in the last eight to nine years is that when we define family, it's different than how you define family. When I define family, until we come together in unity on that definition, it's different than what Nicole would define family because our upbringing, the environment we grew up in, the people we grew up around, the culture we grew up in, logistically, geographically, the area that we grew up in would all basically put us to define family different. Okay? My family, totally different than Nicole's family. We're all extroverts, loud. Um, it's just a big party. We play hard. We laugh hard. We have fun hard. And we fight hard. Like, it, you get it all, but you know where we stand. Nicole's family, a bit more reserved, more peaceful, more quiet, more gentle, and, uh, and definitely totally different than us. Doesn't make either right or wrong. They're just different. I'd say a lot of times we were wrong, especially a few years ago. But we've gotten better, right, Cheryl? And, and even so much so, Lee and Matt are vacationing together right now, maybe watching us on their vacation. So, and meaning unity in our family. It's great. So, at any rate, totally different. But I want to give you the definition of family that the Lord gave me a few years ago. And when we get asked to speak, oftentimes they ask us to come speak um, on family, the culture, what's been cultivated here. All right? So, the, my definition of family would be the organized functioning unit of love. That's my definition the organized functioning unit of love because family looks like something and love looks like something. Family is love, God is love, but love looks like something and love does. So it's the organized functioning unit of love. Okay, so God values family so much from the beginning of time. Uh, he created everything. He was in the universe, all right? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were together as a family, as a unified body there, one, okay? Then they created Adam and Eve, a family, the father was heartbroken, right? 
and basically invited everybody into the family through the flood, Noah's Ark. And then no one, out of free will, no one said yes except for a family and reestablished the earth with a family. Again, God the Father being heartbroken reconciled us back to eternity through his what? Beloved son, family, Jesus, that we could be eternal family with the Father, okay? And then we move through and then we get to Acts 2 and it's the new covenant church that looks like what? Family. They actually sold everything they had, Acts 2, 42 through 47. They sold everything they had. They met in the tabernacle and house to house daily. They fellowshiped together. They broke bread together. It says signs and wonders accompanied them. They gave. They met each other's needs. They, they lived with generosity and gladness and the joy of hearts. They actually um, had each other over for fried chicken and steak dinners. Like, this was biblical, okay? It's biblical. They had fellowship. They broke bread with one another. And then it said thousands were added to them daily. And as I said last week, that's because people from the outside saw how special it was, what was happening here, and what the Lord was breathing on. Then we get to the end of the story. We get to the end of, 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 of Christianity, in a sense, and God returns as a groom for a bride, again, family. If he didn't care much about family, he wouldn't call us children and have him, even in the Lord's Prayer, say, our Father. It's family. His, his, his heart is family. So it's the organized functioning unit of love. And it's not just who, it's also what. It's culture and environment, okay? Just like I said last week, home. Home is an atmosphere that's created that I, I call this my church home, but I don't live here. Why? Because it is an atmosphere. We have a culture of freedom, a culture where you're free to be you and you're celebrated, not just tolerated. That's family. That we celebrate who each other is without stumbling over who you're not. You know, at times we slip into uh, thinking differently. So a family thinks like sons and daughters. It thinks like mothers and fathers, where a difference between a son and a father is a father gives it all away. All right? So it thinks in terms of family. And I'm referencing Galatians 4 and Romans 8 right now, where Paul's talking about the spirit of adoption, referencing us as children and calling out Abba, Father. Again, family. All right, and what happens is that when we think like orphans, we're not thinking in the context of family. We're thinking in the context of I'm a victim and I don't belong and there's not room for me. Orphan thinking thinks that there's not enough or there's not a place at the table or there's not enough room or, or there, everything's already taken care of. I'm not noticed. I'm, I can just come and go and no one even knows if I'm here or there. Okay, that's an orphan mindset. But yet a slave mindset means I have to earn my way into the family. I have to strive. If I, if I serve more, if I do more, if I, if, I, if I sing more, if I sing better, if I have a better guitar sound or whatever, then I'm more recognized, I'm more loved, I'm more valued. No, that's not a value system in family. Family celebrates who you are, not what you do. Who you are makes you do what you do, not what you do that makes you who you are. So in family, it doesn't matter about talent. Nicole gets up here and sings every week almost in transition. And I'll be honest with you, yesterday in the car ride home, I heard her singing and belting out. She had headphones on because she didn't like my, my like screamo demon hunter music uh, from Radio U. So she's like, I hate that music. So I was like, so anyway, she puts her headphones. I'm not saying I'm a good singer, but I will say this. I was doing that on purpose to make you mad. I was trying to irritate it because we were mad at each other in the car from like Cincinnati to basically. You weren't supposed to say that. And because families always get along. <laughs> so he was listening to that to make me mad. I know it. Because even though it's Jesus E. Okay, it we're gonna sounds... talk right here. This okay. is the note that we're on right here. So, anyways, right I here. had on really like really good Christian like worship and I was like singing it really 
was so funny. We weren't looking at each other. We were just both acting like we didn't know. But And I kept turning up louder and louder and louder. And the kids are in the back. Dad, turn it down. I was like, it's, they're like, it's on 20. I was like, your mom's singing at 21. So anyway, that's the truth of family, right? So, but let me, let me, let me get to something here. Family is something that we have each other's backs and we take a bullet for one another, even if it's from one another on occasion. And we'll definitely take them with each other. That's family. Family means I've got your back. I'm not going to stab you in the back. Family means like, like I, I might be able to confront you about something, but if anybody else tries to say that about you, uh-uh, it's going on. We're getting on right now. Like, it's time. That's my family. Right? That's family. We've got each other. We don't gossip. We don't sow discord. We don't, we don't you know, go out and tell everybody's crap. That's family. Covenant. Covenant. We want to talk about covenant for like three minutes and 27 seconds. Okay. Um, Down to 23 seconds. <laughs> well, I have two things to go with that. First of all, um, I'm trying to decide, should I say a verse or should I? I think I'm going to say a verse. We better make it legal. Okay. Third John 1 4. It says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And the reason that I that verse was highlighted to me regarding family is because our greatest joy is to see our kids walking in truth. Okay, so yes, number one, in the truth of Jesus, in the truth of their identity, in the truth of those things. But also in that, as parents, I I have permission to correct them and to say, hey, you're kind of missing the mark here. Let's get back this direction. I mean, it's in the Bible that it is no greater joy than to see our children walking in the truth. And so to tie that to a church family, when you have pastors and leaders, it is our greatest joy to see sons and daughters walking in truth, walking in identity, walking in their calling, and all of those things. And so it comes from a place in our hearts to where it is joy-filled. It is it is our desire to see you walking out in truth, in freedom, in breakthrough. That is where it comes from. It doesn't launch from a place of control and like you better do what's right and you better correct that and all these things. No, it's because it's, I, I love this verse. It's no greater joy. I have literally no greater joy when I'm speaking of this family here than to see you guys walking in truth, walking in freedom. When I have a conversation with someone and all of a sudden a light bulb goes off because they've just had a revelation of something about themselves or a situation, that brings joy. And that's part of family. And a lot of times the enemy would love to use that and, and twist how you see it and think that it's a manipulation. We're trying to manipulate. We're trying to control and this and that and the other. No. And maybe that comes from a place of your background in a family that you were in where it was used as manipulation and control, but that is not God's design for family. And so just putting that out there that what do you think the very thing that the enemy would love to attack? It's the family. It's the family, whether it's the church family or family unit in our home. He knows that when he can divide a family, then that is the thing that we're all 
you know, twisted up in. Because our heart's desire is not to, I don't want to see my kids a mess. I don't want, you know, to see destruction. I don't want to see bitterness come into play here. But when the enemy can get in and tap into that and create bitterness and anger and dysfunction in a family, then, then he, man, he, he's really can like lean back, right? Because that is the design. That is God's heart, is family, for the family. And so regarding that with, with covenant, right? I have highlighted on my notes that covenant without connection is meaningless. And, and connection comes in the form of like what I was saying when I'm like, hey, I feel like you're kind of missing the mark to come back in this direction. It comes in the form of like, how's your heart? How are you? What are you doing these days? Are you, have you been to Kings Island? Like, I'm just asking random questions. It's, we're connecting. And, and we can't say that we have covenant if there's no connection there. And, and there are going to be people that are closely, con- closer connect, that I'm closer connected with than others. He's closer connected to some than I am. We, I can't be super connected with every single person, but I do my best to connect the best that I can, whether it's a high, a pat on the back, you know, whatever. Just like with, I got four kids. There's going to be some days when I'm closer connected to one than the other. But as long as I'm being intentional about choosing to connect, then the covenant is so much more stronger. It's true covenant, I guess, is the best way to put it. The, the other thing is, you don't know if you have covenant until you have confrontation. Okay, you can't have it without connection, but you don't know whether or not you have it until there's confrontation. Now, now let, me, let me just be like, let me explain that out, okay? It's easy to have convenient covenant. That's easy, that's easy. But where the rubber meets the road is when you disagree, when you have an ought, when you have an offense, now what are you gonna do about it? Now you have the choice whether to pursue heart connection and work this out or to create disconnection and grow apart. That's covenant. And covenant says, I'm going to choose to work this out. You've hurt me. Okay, I didn't like what you did. I'm going to share my feelings with you. And then I'm going to release it and see what you do from it to see if we have true covenant. Okay, covenant is tested through confrontation. And the goal of confrontation is not to prove each other right or wrong. It's to reveal our hearts to grow closer together. Example, the first question to Adam in the garden was not, what did you do? It was, where are you? Because where, where is your heart? What's, what's going on? It's like my goal, I'm not perfect, but the kids do something. I'm like, my goal is what's going on in your heart that's causing you to do this? Not why the world, you know, that's kind of my, maybe what I'm thinking, but I'm really going to like lean back and say, wait, what's going on in your heart? that's causing you to do this. And that's how God was with Adam. Because the root of confrontation has to be love. And when the root is love, the fruit is unity. Okay? So in confrontation, if it's rooted in love, there's going to be unity through that confrontation, through working out that mess. And let me just remind you, here's another definition of family. Messy. Okay? Family is messy. Family is not perfect. All right? I love the sign here. I moved it. It's here. Like, we love, okay? We're patient most of the time. Like, there is messiness in covenant, all right? But here's the deal. There's unity in that. Now, unity is not we all think and agree all the time. Let me just be honest with you. Like, our music choice yesterday and trying to irritate one another was not in unity. <laughs> but, but here's the deal. We are unified. We have unity in our family. There's unity here. And if we all thought the same and agreed on everything, that's conformity. We're not looking for conformity in family where everybody's the same. We're looking for unity where we actually get to come together being different. That's the beauty of it. 
So the fruit is unity. Anything else? No. Moving on to history. Okay. So, so why is it important? Let me just tell you this, and I've got to be very short versus the version last service. And essentially, about nine years ago, uh, my mother passed away. Okay, uh, we were just almost, we were about a month away from finishing this building. We had just had our third child. I work and did at the time and still do work full time at a fire department outside of here. I have, a, I have an actual career outside of ministry. And, and what, ha- what was happening is there was the perfect storm, all right? My mom passes away, my dad, dad can wave. It's awesome. My mom and dad were the founders of Upper Room here uh, 21 and a half years ago, okay? We believe in healing. We believe in healing. We've seen healing, all right? And my mom dies of cancer, troubling so much of what was going on, as well as even faith, okay? So we're in the hardest time of, of ministry, building a building, and, and just, just other things of growth. Now we throw on trauma and death and trying to navigate that amongst just life just having kids and navigating life. And then uh, my dad gets hooked up with this amazing woman named Patty, all right, uh, from a family in the church. Patty can wave, okay? That's the end story. It's beautiful. It's awesome, okay? But getting there was not easy, okay? At four months after my mom's death, my dad tells us he's going to be marrying a woman we have never met. She lives in a different state. Huh? Okay, so then my family, my blood family, began, who's all in leadership here, all a vital part of Upper Room still is, uh, is falling apart, okay? And there's division, and there's anger, and there's animosity, and I have one of them calling me, I'm disowning dad. I was like, you can't disown dad, he's never disowned us. And we've been messy and rebellious ourselves. You know, not that my dad was being messy or rebellious. We just didn't agree with his decision at the moment. Okay, because it was hard. Any change, let me just put this out there. Any change is hard, good, bad, or indifferent. Change is hard. This was change for our family. We're still grieving my mom dying. That's change. And now we're going to include Patty into our lives. Our very difficult, abrasive, loud lives okay, who are in ministry, and we're all like type A, like, like aggressive extroverts, okay, so this is what's happening, and, uh, and the beautiful story is at work, but in that process, we adapted this term because we were falling apart, we, we heard this, and a pastor friend, Mike Henson, helped us kind of navigate through this, and he told us, he said, unity at all costs, that's what he said, you guys need to fight for unity, and when you, and then what we learned is we did, and we got unity. And we used to say unity at all costs. When we disagree, when we disagree with something my dad was doing, we're like, like we, we met with my dad. We're like, dad, don't, don't like do anything crazy. Don't do anything stupid. They say like, don't make any major purchases your first year grieving a death. Don't do, make any major changes. Within seven months, my dad was remarried, had a new car and a puppy, okay? So, and had traveled the world almost. <laughs> so at any rate, like, we're like, Dad, so we're, we're fighting for unity. We get unity. And then we realize once we had unity, we had to fight to keep unity. It didn't just, poof, here's here. Now it's perfect. Everything's great. No, and it's the same thing in the church realm. So here's what was happening in the church realm. What all this is going on, and I'm the youngest sibling of all, but yet I'm pastoring the church. And I'm like, okay, I'm trying to keep the family together, trying to keep the church together and alive. And then people start leaving. And we're like, they're just leaving out of nowhere. Members of 14 years would just leave. And like, like I was walking out of the parking lot one day, and then this member, one of our first members, my mom and dad's members of like 14 years, said, hey, um, yeah, we're not coming back. We're not going to come back to Peru. I'm like, why? What? Can we meet? Like, because I'm such a heart connection person. Like, can you let us know why? No, we're just not going to come back. God bless you. See ya. 
<laughs> what just happened? Tell me I'm a bad preacher. Tell me something, right? So what's happened is, so then what we learned through that was we had to fight for unity in the church, and once we had it, we have to fight to keep it. Here's the other thing we learned through that process. That very, that very moment, we learned that members come and go, but families stick together. We don't want just church members. We want families that actually are responsible for this as their home as well. This is our home. This is our church. This is our family. And we get to plant a stake in the ground. We get to be responsible for it. So our version of membership is actually going into a wall in the little like family room out there. As you walk out on the left, there's pretty couches and cool blue chairs. And there's a wall with all these family pictures on it. And it says covenant home family, all right? And when you want to become a member of Upper Room, you're putting a stake in the ground that says, yep, this is my home, this is family, I'm making covenant, my picture's on that wall. That's our version of membership, because we don't want just members and contractual members, and you sign this paper, no, or you attend this one class, no, like, I'm going to put my picture on the wall, and that's me putting a stake in the ground saying, yeah, I'm going to own this, I'm responsible here. When I see trash in the parking lot, I'm no longer a renter, I'm an owner, I'm picking that up and putting it in the trash. There's a difference between renters and owners, and owners are family, okay? Well, I just wanted to, to reiterate what he said about, you know, we fight to get unity, and then the second part of that is you fight to keep it. Like, it's not we fight through this, and now we have unity, and now, yay. No, you have to fight to keep unity because there are so many chances, opportunities. We're all humans. Things will happen. People will say things. Somebody will look at you the wrong way, and you have a choice to be offended and to start to disconnect or to fight for what's truth. And you know what? Maybe they were having a bad day, and they just looked at me funny, and I took it, you know. And now I'm going to stay in unity. You, yeah. It, I mean, we are all adults in here, and we know that, like, you have to fight for things. You don't just sit back. I mean, there are times when we lean back. I know I was saying that last week. We lean, up, we lean in and we lean back, right? But I'm just saying, when you are hungering for something and you know the value that comes in unity, you'll fight to keep it. You won't let someone next to you trash talk and belittle and complain and all of these things. No, in that moment, you'll fight to say, hey, like A, like just shut up. Or B, go talk to them. Do something about it. Don't just sit there and mouth. You know, I, I don't, I'm sorry if I'm sounding a little abrasive, but I'm just saying that's what it looks like to fight for unity. It doesn't mean don't voice concerns. No, it means do what's right. Follow the proper way of confronting things, sharing your heart, sharing your feelings. That's fighting to keep unity. Now, Paul talks about, in the New Testament, he talks about uh, basically like we were once children, but we can no longer live on milk. We need to move on and like mature. So just because we're all adults in here doesn't mean we're mature though. Maturity is a choice through experiences and wisdom, and part of that is choosing covenant and working out our differences and coming into unity versus just letting that happen. So I just wanted to take note of that. You're like, we're all adults in here, but that doesn't mean we're all mature because mature people look like family. Okay, mature people move on from being sons and daughters to actually mothers and fathers, caring about this culture and environment and safety that others can be themselves. And others, pre-believers or new believers can come in, experience just literally the culture. They are literally sat in here, and by what's around them, they grow. 
That is a greenhouse effect to where you can take something almost dying or dead, put it in a healthy environment, and all of a sudden it comes to, to life and growth. Why? Because there's a healthy culture and iron sharpening iron and each other building each other up. Okay, let, let, me, let me move on here. Um, the other thing is with our history is after that experience and after seeing that and being hurt and stabbed in the back and things made up and talked about, we're like, okay, that's members. We're not looking for more members. We're looking for family. And at times it's difficult to get in. At times it's difficult because that's one thing we've noticed and that we're trying to create a front porch is when it's such a tight environment and a tight family, it's hard to penetrate into that. So you got to fight for it because covenant costs something. All right, we're trying to like, like remove that barrier, but that is one of the side effects of being so close is, okay, now how do I get in? And we're trying to figure that out. We're being honest about that. But we love being that tight and that close, and, and the part of it is there is a cost. Now, there's rewards that outweigh the cost of covenant, but it does cost something. The Israelites, it cost them 40 years. It cost them 40 years of navigating through a desert and the wilderness before they could get to the promised land. But then when they got there, they, were, they had the character and the fortitude and what, the foundation to move into the promised land. The same thing with the Acts 2 church. They sold everything to come together. Now, now let, me, let me move on here. The, the other thing that we learned through that was we want to live in an environment. We wanted to cultivate an environment we wanted to live in. Okay, let, let me just... Let me just elaborate just very briefly. I want an environment where I'm safe and free to be me and I can be real and I can be vulnerable and I can sit on this stage and we can tell you about a little bickering fight that we had yesterday in the car and us not get judged and think that we're terrible sinners going to hell and we're worthless and we should not be your pastors because we had a disagreement. Okay, this is an environment of family where, no, but we're going to work it out, and we promise you that we give you our heart, and we promise you we love Jesus. Like, that's the environment that's created, that we're not perfect, and I get to be real, and you get to be real. And you get to actually confess your sins one to another because it's a safe place to do so, and we're going to love you enough to help you work that out, not just judge you, condemn you, and keep you there to keep our thumbs on you. <laughs> do you know what the fight was about? I don't remember. I do. I just thought of it. <laughs> Right as we were going into cross the, cross the <laughs> river, <laughs> right as we were getting ready to cross the river, we had already had like a heightened morning, like with some other stuff. So this, I think this wasn't really the root of it, but anyway, this is what triggered it. There was a church, and we were talking about the name of the church, and I said, "No, it's Christ Church, whatever, whatever." And he's like, "No, it's Church." Blah, blah. Christ wasn't in the name, and I'm like, "I think it was Christ Church." And so he's like, Google it, look it up. And I said, no, you're right, I'm wrong. I'm not gonna Google it. I don't need to be right about everything. And so- That made me more mad. That made him mad. And so then, so then he picks up the phone, crossing the river, driving through I Cincinnati. I first said, I'm gonna look this up and, unless you wanna be safer and look it up to prove yourself wrong. So I'm so like, I no, it up. I'm not looking it up. And so he's driving, Googling, and trying to find the name of a church that was- in Florence, Kentucky or whatever. We're not going to leave him hanging. Who was right? He was right. It was fine. But I said, I'm not going to look it up. You're right. I don't care. And I, so that's the, what the bickering was about. All right. So now we get to the mission. Okay. All of that for a structure for what? Like, it's great to have family, but just to have it all in here to ourselves is selfish. I believe we as believers owe the world an encounter with a loving, good, powerful father. Okay, so it's now what we've adopted the term is, is essentially like in the last couple of years, family on mission. 
We are family on mission. So let us, let us share with you a bit of the vision of Upper Room and, and at least this house, this ministry, this family. Okay, family on mission means we are a family gathered around God, that we plant Jesus in the center. He is our first ministry. We enter his gates and courts with praise and thanksgiving. We worship him. We offer our incense of worship. We sacrifice, and we give unto him a living sacrifice as worship. Ministry to the Lord is first. So presence is number one. People are number two, but they're not our people. They're God's people. Okay, so family on mission means that we come in, we plant Jesus in the center. All ministries and everything are birthed from that. We don't try to do life together and hope that ministries birthed from that. No, I'm sorry. We don't try to do ministry together and hope that life is birthed from that. We do life and we invite the life Jesus into that and we expect ministries just to come from that. So that being a picture that said Jesus is in the center of all things here, then the family gathers around that. And in that, we grow in, in empowerment. We grow in being transformed by the renewing of our minds, our identity, knowing who and whose we are. And then we are empowered to go make disciples. Okay, so we encounter his presence. We worship him. We, we bless and we minister to him first. And in that, we are given our identities. We are growing. We're, we, we are discipled. We grow into the transformation and the calling God has for each one of us. Okay, and then the Great Commission becomes each of our missions and our spheres of influence and the culture in which we engage in. And then that becomes the big mission of Upper Room and most of all, the kingdom. January 5th, I preached it and used language of arrows, okay? That, that out of, um, in Proverbs where it says we're arrows in a quiver and then we're being launched. So we are launched to hit our individual targets, making upper room and most of all God's kingdom target way bigger than if we just gather around this one little target as a church. So our focus is presence and then people, presence being number one. And in that, all of a sudden, we're going making disciples. It's in our going, wherever we go, in our workplaces, our homes, where we do business, where we do life, where we buy things, right? In our going, then we make disciples and we share and invite them into the same or similar, totally different encounter that we've had. And then we even get the opportunity, if it's local, to bring them into this healthy culture of family so that they too can be empowered to go make disciples and encounter a good, loving, amazing, radical father in their identity as sons and daughters. Anything to add to that? That may have been really confusing. Can you put it to like yeah. teacher language? Here is the phrase. We move, the mission is that, you know, as we're operating in family and things in here, then we move from hosting the presence within the walls to carrying the presence outside of the walls, right? So we come in here, we're hosting the presence. We're doing that on our own in our homes and things as well. But we're we're hosting the presence of God. We come together. That's what we did during worship today. Hosting the presence. What is God doing? We're feeling a spirit. We're moving in line with him. We're hosting that presence. We're understanding it. Now we're carriers of it. We walk out the door. And as we carry the presence, the people we encounter, it's oozing out on them. And they're feeling him. They're feeling his presence. And now we're opening the door to inviting them in to this family culture where we're carrying the presence or hosting family on mission leading people to the goodness and kindness of god and then it's his kindness and goodness that lead men to repentance that's we just get to expose like we get to demonstrate we get to lead into that we get to disciple into that it's amazing it's great think of it in parallel to your family at home at home we want to teach the girls um, integrity and honor so we're cultivating that and we're hosting that in our home and then as they go out they're carrying that with them so they're in their classroom and what are we hearing from their teachers 
your daughter is so honoring. She listens, she, you know, that's what that's like. And then it, and it leaks out and they're like, wow, your family. And then they start to ask questions. What's different about you? This type of thing. So that's a parallel to your home church and then home. That's good. We're only nine minutes over. That means like we're only four and a half minutes each over. Not I bad. think it's like I'm one minute over. That's like pretty like good for eight. me. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we're going to do something a little different. Okay. Uh, that we're done speaking. Okay. Now it's your turn. All right. We want to engage you, including those who are watching online right now and live streaming. So we're going to, in a moment, flash up some questions and a number to text. Here's what we would like to do. What we do know about the new wineskin is that there's going to be some engagement. There's going to be um, where everybody gets a place at the table, and it's not just speakers always speaking, and you listening, and then you leave, okay? So, but here's what we do know. We also know that in this moment in time, with COVID and other stuff going on, not everybody feels safe gathering in small groups. So here in in upper room right now, we're going to actually gather in small groups and let you partner up, and, and it, whether if you feel safe with just your family, that's fine. Most of you in most of 9 a.m. service do feel safe getting a chance to meet others and engage and talk about a couple things. Those of you who are online, we're going to give you a text number. We would love to hear your answers, and we're going to read them uh, once we're done. So we got about 10 minutes to do some activation and engagement. Um, so the first question is going to be this, and then I'll tell you how we're going to, like, disperse, okay? The first question is basically going to be, in one sentence, how would you define family? As a group, as a small group, whatever that looks like, uh, how would you define family? That's going to be the style of question, and you'll text it to a number that we'll get up here. All right, and then at the end, we're going we're gonna to say it to everybody. It's beautiful. What we saw first service was amazing. All right, and this is not a time that's uncomfortable for a dysfunctional family reunion where it's awkward. This is an opportunity for the family to get to know one another. With that said, we do know that there are some, some safety things and some people that might be in higher risk categories than others. You have the liberty to quietly leave right now uh, as we go to get in small groups and not be a part of this, and you are not looked down upon, you are not condemned, you are not judged, and we love you no matter what. Uh, those of you who are just comfortable with your own family, um, just politely say that if somebody tries to meet with you. Okay, I'm not allowed to ask you to raise your hands. She said that was rude. If I say who's comfortable uh, meeting with others, raise your hand, and everybody finds somebody with a hand raise. Okay, we don't want to single you out. I did, but she doesn't. So, and she's usually right. I'm usually wrong. Is that recorded? Yes! I got to get some bonus points, all right? Happy wife, happy life. So, Anyway, here's the deal. We are going to disperse here in just a moment. You're going to have about three minutes for three questions, and it's really fun. Um, there is no wrong answers whatsoever. We want to hear from you. Every week, we get to like skit, sit up here and tell you what we think, but we very seldom get to hear what you think. And this has blessed us so much, the first service, and uh, we're going to do some fun things, not by name, but put these on our social media of people's definition of family, and this becomes really fun. So if you feel comfortable, just, just ask permission if other people feel comfortable and get in groups of 10 or less 10 or less please um, and uh, or your family unit and if you don't feel comfortable right now now's your time to leave god bless you and uh, may he shine his face on you this week okay and the first question is posted up there as you get in a little small group and you can just turn chairs, you can move stuff, you can go sit backwards, whatever you want to make yourselves comfortable and allow yourselves enough space. Okay, but the first question, in one sentence, as a group, how would you define family and text to that number? One sentence, 
How would you define family? Okay, so if you're live streaming right now, is that on the live stream, that question? Awesome, good job, guys. So if you're live streaming right now, we don't want to lose you, so just text your answer. Process that for a moment and begin to text that number, 937-506-0011, and we would love to hear your definition of what family is. Family is blank. One sentence. Less than two minutes left for this. Less than two minutes. Okay, less than one minute, and then text that in. In the next 30 seconds, text whatever you have in. We're not checking grammar. Okay, text that in. We're going to move on to the next question. So please text that to that 506-0011 number. Next question is, what should every family avoid? And these are just uh, three words. What should every family avoid? Just come up. You can popcorn style it in your group and just pick three that you guys all like and agree on. Uh, but process this for about two to three minutes together. Then send us three words. What should every family avoid? Those who are live streaming, we'd love to hear from you. What should every family avoid? Just text that number.
Okay, now with uh, 30 seconds left, just text us those three that you would pick from your group. Three things that every family should avoid. Live stream, you're welcome to either post a comment or send us a text, be great. Okay, so post those. And then we're gonna move on to the last question here. So send those three, and then this is your last question. What are three things every family should value? What would be your group's top three that every family should value? Three things every family should value. And again, live stream, you can post a comment or send a text to that number. Okay, 30 seconds, 30 seconds to send us three things that every family should value. All right, we'll come back to video now. Okay, text those or make a comment right now. Nicole's gonna see if there's any comments on there. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna read you all of your responses to the definition of family. So we'll, uh, we'll kill the background music and uh, come back to video screen, Kyler. That'd be awesome. Uh, so that the live stream could finish with us. Okay, so here we go. Nicole's gonna read the definitions of family and uh, let you guys hear how good they are. All right. People who have chosen commitment and connection with each other. Family is my people, my ride or die, my tribe. The body of Christ, all my brothers and sisters. Family is somebody that won't judge you, someone you can always turn to, not necessarily blood related. Family is an interpersonal bond among a group of people. Family is a chaotic kind of love. Family is, a family is without secrets and doesn't give up on one another. A family is honored love where love is chosen every day, even when it's hard. Family is something I'm still learning what it is. Uh, let's see. That transcends, family transcends geography, time, and DNA. Family is a group of people that care for each other and are willing to do what is needed to help each other succeed and be safe. Family is a safe place to show love and be loved, even in the ugly. Mm. Family always has your back. They will defend, protect, and honor you and put each other first. Family is a choice you make, not a feeling you always have. It's not blood. It's a choice for commitment and running to each other, not away, every day, always. Was Josh Haas part of that group? Or you weren't part of a group, were you? Okay. He said, I that was can't talk right now. That was really good. They're all amazing. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I, do you want me to keep going? Uh, yeah. Home, fiercely grounded in love. Family is respect. Family is a group defined by unconditional love that allows us to be who we are, accountability, respect, 
humili- hand humility for the purpose of demonstrating that unconditional love. Family is a group of people who do life together. Family. All aspects of life. All, all yes, all aspects of life. Family is a unit that acts as a team that supports one another through no matter what comfortable with each other, always depend on and love each other. I, you guys get that. Okay, I think we've moved on to uh, what families should avoid, okay? Families should avoid pride, manipulation, and selfishness. Uh, no communication, anger, and bitterness. Families should avoid uh, politics, judgment, and playing favorites. Families should avoid disharmony, shaming, gossip, and being intentionally hurt. Hate, seclusion, and selfish. Um, they should avoid betrayal, giving up, and shutting down. And um, I think that's it. Okay, moving on to uh, what families should value. And I got individuality, Jesus, and quality time. You want to carry on? Um, every family should value respect for each other, God's word, value what we each have to offer the family, value each other, quality time, and Jesus, value communication, strengths, and differences, love, honesty, and communication, playfulness, individuality, and connection. I'm not following. Oh, uh, commitment, God, and intentional connection. Love, honor, respect, connection, honesty, love, integrity, loyalty, time, laughter. This is a good one, and we'll end with this. Uh, I think Josh is still sending them, but, uh, oh, here, they're still coming in. Okay, this is a good one. Jesus, laughter, and each other, improperly delegating tasks based on age and responsibility. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading it, and it has a name attached to it. Brett Casey says... Family is where poop jokes and fart jokes create a bonding unit. <laughs> where is Brett? <laughs> you didn't think we'd read it. <laughs> Listen, we can be real. We're family. We have, the, right. best, we have the best poop jokes from like youth camp like 10 years ago. That's a good Brett, bonded us. Brett was attached to that. Yep. Okay. All right. Family uh, should value love, fellowship, and sacrifice. And then the last one we'll, we'll talk about is meals together, unconditional acceptance, and embracing reconciliation. Wow. Man, you guys are amazing. This was great. How many enjoyed this by a show of hands? Yes, good. Um, glad, glad that you're a part of it. So thank you uh, guys for engaging, for participating, for actually meeting together. And those of you who sent, we don't know who sent what. So those who sent from the live stream, thanks. And uh, you can continue to do that this week. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, but once you stand, we're just going to close with prayer. One of the things Nicole referenced was the enemy's assignment to destroy family, to divide family, to, um, to want to split up the body of Christ not just families um, and homes and marriages, but also families and ministry and families of the bride, okay? The bride as a family. And one of the things I'd love to do right now is just give the devil big fat black eye that he deserves and cancel the assignment uh, that he has to destroy and divide. Also release God's favor, blessing, and his victory and unity on family. Okay? And I know some of you stand here today where your kids may not be serving the Lord, your grandkids may not, um, but Jesus wins 
and he's gone ahead of you. He's gone before you. He's your greatest intercessor, and Jesus is victory. Jesus is love. Jesus is power. Jesus is the answer. He's the solution to everything and all the mess going on around us, but he's also solution uh, to unity in the bride, okay? So, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for covenant. We thank you. We know it costs. We know it costs you to give and sacrifice your beloved son for us. We know there's a cost of covenant, but the reward is so amazing. Lord, help us to, to choose love, to choose connection, to choose unity, to fight for covenant, God, and to confront and love Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that, that you've designed a structure of family, both for in our homes, and our lives, and our relationships, but also your body of Christ. Lord, that you've designed a structure and an organization called family. It's the government of heaven, and it should be the government on earth. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for that refining. We thank you for this reset and a foundation that we build on called family. Right now, we cancel and we rebuke the enemy's devour. We cancel his assignment in Jesus' name. We cancel his assignment to divide marriages, to destroy homes, to, to, to create destruction in families right now. And we release your blessing, your favor, your power, your love, and your unity in every home, every family, and every marriage, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you were broken so we as a body, we as families, we in our marriages can be whole. We thank you for that. For those who are in this body, in this ministry, for those who are watching online, for those who, who, who get exposed to anybody who are going out and making disciples from this family. We thank you, Jesus, that we are family on mission. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your mercy and grace, for your power, for your love. We thank you that we belong at your table, that you've invited us in as sons and daughters, and you are an amazing dad. We bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.